Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Nobody, absolutely nobody can live out the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is making a point in some way every single person in this room is a murderer. You are sitting next to a murderer. Now, don't move your seat right now. But the truth, this is what Jesus is saying. Notice in verse 23, he says, if you have a gift and you're at the altar, you're at the place of prayer and praise. And you remember that your brother has something against you. Jesus says, get off your knees, go to your brother and seek to get it right with them. And then come back and continue your prayer and your praise. Now, does this mean that we should go and track down every person that has something against us? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. People will offend you and you'll offend people. I offend people every week here. No comments from the peanut gallery, all right? But I don't mean to. I'm just teaching the Bible and trying to help you understand what the Word of God says. I'm not trying to be offensive. I just want to be truthful, and I want to be true to the Word of God. Is that all right? Amen? Is that all right? But but sometimes I will offend you. One brother came up to me one time and said, Ronnie, you know, I got to tell you. He says, you know. I've been holding art, art against you in my heart, and I want you to know that, that I forgive you. And I said, okay, uh, I didn't know that, but, you know, w- what for? And he says, well, well, some time ago you said something, and I, I thought you were an idiot, but I want you to know that I now forgive you. And I'm looking at him thinking, you know, I, I hope this is more freeing for you than it is for me, <laughs> because this is not freeing for me. You know, I hope, this, I hope you feel better about it. But, you know, I think the, the point here is that, and Jesus is making the point, that we need to be obedient in rectifying relationships and not dig up old stuff. Jesus says, listen, settle the problem between you and your brother before you settle the problem between you and your God. Well, it's so important. Now, notice in verses 25 through 26, we're going to talk about this. I'm not going to spend the time this morning to talk about this now. But in verses 25 through 26, we're actually going to talk about this in depth next week in verses 38 through 42 as we talk about going the second mile with your brother. We'll talk about that. But, but for now, why don't we skip to notice in verse 27, Jesus says, You have heard it has been said to those of old, you shall not commit a Adultery. Adultery. Now, I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with me. Adultery is a problem in our country today. It is a real problem in our world today. And listen, the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. It was a problem. It's a problem in our world today. And guess what? It was a problem in Jesus' day. It was a problem in the days of our Lord. 
Many have said, many scholars have said that Rome was a monument for sexual immorality. They tolerated it and they sanctified it and they put it in temples and they worshiped it. And so Jesus said, you've heard the scribes and the Pharisees say, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whosoever looks on a woman and lusts after her has committed adultery already. Jesus, again, is talking about the issues of the heart. He is not saying if you ever see a beautiful woman walk by or lest I be discriminatory, I don't want to be. Ladies, unless you see a beautiful man and you and Satan will put a lustful thought in your mind just like that. And if you looked upon a a person and, and you've lusted in your heart, then you have committed adultery. That is not what's being taught here. And it's unfortunate that the church preachers and denominations have taught this for years. That is not what's being taught here. Jesus simply says, if you look upon a woman, this phrase, I'm not trying to impress you with Greek and I'm not trying to bore you. But this phrase looks upon a woman is very interesting in the Greek language It's written in the present tense. It means if you habitually and you continue to look upon a woman, you are committing adultery in your heart. Habitually and continually. Like when the secretaries, you know, you got a secretary at work and every day she comes in and you go, Mama Mia. Mm, mama, mama, vavoom, and you, oh, you know, whatever people do now, you know, and you know, you gotta get it going in your mind, and then every day she comes in and she comes in. Listen, listen, you're in danger here. Because you are committing adultery, because you're continually doing it. You're allowing these things to fester in your mind. You cannot control what comes into your mind. But what you can control is what stays in your mind. Someone once said it like this, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in it. <laughs> Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. All right. You can stop them from making it. So you got to, the Bible says that we need to take, we can't control what comes in our mind, especially in the world today. It's awful. Man, I'm in the gym and I'm hearing this music and, and this music is bad. I mean, this is bad stuff. And I'm going to misunderstand me. I'm in the cool gym, nice place, nice clean gym, cool people, blah, blah, blah. But, but this music is, is not right. It's not good. It shouldn't be played in public. I don't think it should be recorded, but, but that's my opinion. I go up to the front desk. I'm like, this music is terrible. Do you, do you hear this? This is like assaulting. Oh, oh okay. Oh, oh okay. We'll, we'll turn it down, sir. It's awful. So, What comes into our mind, we can't control. But what stays in your mind, you can. The Bible says that we are to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. You might say to me, Rodney, you know, I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with, with, with my mind and with lust and lustful feelings. Listen, I'd ask you, what is your spiritual diet like during the week? What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on Sports Illustrated in the swimsuit edition? Or, or swim, feeding on uh, young, and, young and Restless? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's awful. Are you feeding on things that just are not good for you? Those soap operas are terrible. You know, General, uh, G- General Clinic. Oh, what, what is it? General Clinic? General, General Trauma Center? General, General what? 
General, see, you guys know it. See that? And then, you know, what are you feeding on? Or are you getting out the women's ministry? Are you getting out the Bible study? Are you getting in, the, in, in, in Joshua on Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock here at Calvary Chapel, shameless plug? And, and are, you, are, 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 are you really feeding on the word of God? Because I'll tell you, if you're feeding on the worldly stuff, no wonder you're struggling. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, your flesh is weak. It will take you further than you want to go. And things you thought you'd never do are the very things you will do if you don't feed your spirit and starve your flesh. What are you feeding on? What are you looking upon, continually looking upon? That's what Jesus is talking about. Not just the outward things, not just I can't look at a woman, you know, so I better not ever look up. Remember last week we talked about the bump and stumbling Pharisees. Remember last week I told you about them. These Pharisees were a group of Pharisees who thought I can't look upon a woman because it says don't look upon a woman. So they always walk with their heads down and they were bumping into walls and stumbling into people and they became known as the bump and stumbling Pharisees. Why? Because they were doing these things in the outward flesh. And Jesus says, no, it's not about just about looking, but it's about continually, habitually looking on a woman. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. It's not what you're doing outwardly, but inwardly that matters. Jesus is pointing out, we've all been angry at some time or another. We've all murdered and we are all guilty because we've lusted in our hearts at some time or another. Thus, we're all adulterers. Everyone's an adulterer. And if for no other reason... We are adulterers because at some time or another we have left the Lord, turned our heart away from God, and turned our heart to something or someone else. Don't say amen there. I know that's pretty convicting. It starts with me. We all are adulterers. So who are we to look at another person and condemn them and put them down? Who are we? You know, there was a brother in my office struggling this past week with sin, struggling with an area in his life. Got him in the office, talked to him, prayed with him, got a plan of attack on what we're going to do to try to strengthen him and build him up spiritually. And, and it was a difficult conversation. I got an email back from him just yesterday, and he said in the email, he said, he said I, I just wanted to thank you for loving me just where I am. And I looked at that and showed my wife. I said, honey, look at this. I'm in no position to accuse anybody. I'm in no position to condemn anybody because Jesus didn't condemn me. You remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Oh, who can forget this story? The woman caught in the act of adultery in the act. And she was brought to Jesus and the scribes and the religious Pharisees, the separated ones. They brought her to Jesus and they threw her down in front of them. That poor woman. And all of these men were probably standing around. Many scholars believe that some of the men had probably with this woman, but that's beside the point. And they threw her down. And they said, Jesus, we've got the rule book right here, man. What are you going to do? And they bring the woman, but they don't bring the men. These are guys who are the religious law keepers. If you were really a law keeper, then where was the man? Because you should have bought the man according to the law. But they weren't. They were religious they were outwardly religious and all they wanted to do was accuse the woman and trap Jesus. 
What are you going to do? Here's the rule book. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at that woman and I'm sure he looked with eyes of love and not law, eyes of compassion and not condemnation and correction. Jesus didn't execute her. He excused her. He said, woman, I don't condemn you. It's a great story. Jesus leans down and writes something, something in the in the dirt. And, and many scholars say he was writing the names of those men who had been sleeping with this woman. And Jesus wrote Harry. And Harry went, oh, well, got to go. John. You know, great story. And Jesus said, woman, where's your accusers? She said, not here, Lord. And he said, I don't condemn you either. He said, now go and what, you guys? Sin no more. He says, go and sin no more. Don't go keep doing it. And Jesus was showing that woman grace. Because you know what? He didn't even tell us his name. The story is the woman caught in adultery. He didn't give us his na- the woman's name. Why? Because God is a God of grace and God is a God of love. And compassion and mercy. And so we're all adulterers. And Jesus says, listen, if your eye offends you, then pluck it out. Now, he's not talking about literally plucking out your eye. Jesus is saying you need to refuse to tolerate whatever's causing the problem. Deal directly and even violently with any part of your being that would cause you to stumble. And then notice he goes on in verse 31. He says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, let me just say something. Give me your attention. Let me just say something here. It is not Jesus intent here in Matthew chapter five to deal with the divorce issue. Jesus is not preaching a sermon on divorce. Remember, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in chapter 5 and it ends in chapter 7. So Jesus isn't giving a dissertation on the subject of divorce. He does that in other places. Matthew chapter 19. There are many scriptures in the Bible that deal with the subject of adultery and divorce. That is not Jesus' intent. And that is not my intent this morning. I want you to notice something. In your Bibles, you can write this down. This is a reference to the divorce privilege. The divorce privilege? Yeah. The divorce privilege found in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. We won't read that, but I'll tell you, it says this, that if you found, if you're found, if you have a wife who you have found to be unclean, you have the privilege of divorcing her. Now, there are two basically, really quickly here, there are two basic theological schools of thought in the Jewish community. One school was a conservative school, and they followed Shammai. Shammai. And they were conservative, as I said. Divorce, Shammai taught that divorce can only be granted in the case of uncleanness, and they interpreted uncleanness as sexual immorality. The school of Shammai. And then there's a second school, Hillel. H-I-L-L-E-L. Hillel. They were more liberal. 
They taught that if your wife put too much salt in your eggs, which caused you to lose your temper, you could divorce her because you have been assaulted. I'm so- Where did that come from? Oh my goodness. I like that one. I think that's great. Well, they were liberal. They also said that if you saw a woman that was cleaner than your wife, then you had the right to divorce her because she is now unclean in comparison to the cleaner woman. So they were liberal. Divorce was going on for the smallest and insignificant reasons, which sound too all too familiar in our culture. People today are getting a divorce for stuff that is just dumb. Just stupid things that people are getting a divorce for. So Jesus talking about divorce, he says, you've heard it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, did you note this, saints? Did you note this? Except for sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. Jesus is closing the door on both schools of thought. And he said, the only reason, and might I underscore only reason, I will allow divorce is for sexual immorality. Why? Because when a man and a woman, stay with me, when a man and a woman come together intimately in a sexual relationship, I can't explain this. But something mystical and something magical and miraculous happens between those two people. And that's why people get upset when you don't call them in the morning. It's like, oh, well, you didn't, could you call me in the morning? Sure. And they don't call. And what happens? Emotions are attached. Feelings are attached. Why? Because we are three-part beings, a trichotomous man. We're made up of mind, soul, body, mind, and spirit. Or mind, body, and spirit. When you become a Christian, you're spirit, body, and soul. Spirit, spirit, body, and mind. And so because we're three-part beings, we have the ability that we engage when the sexual intimacy takes place between two people, there's an emotional, miraculous, mystical attachment that takes place that only happens with humans. Did you know that this does not happen with animals? Think about it. It doesn't. You don't see animals getting upset after, you know, the night before and they get up the next morning and call, oh, well, you didn't call me in the morning. That doesn't happen with animals. Why? Because they don't have that emotional attachment. That's why God says wait. Not because it's not fun. I'm sure it's fun. But God says wait because there's something spiritual and mystical that happens in that relationship. And when someone goes outside of that relationship and commits adultery, they have ripped apart that joining together. And for that reason and that reason alone, Jesus says divorce is allowed. Listen, not mandated. Jesus doesn't say, listen, if someone cheats on you, get a divorce. He doesn't say that. He says, if that happens, I will allow divorce. Now, what I'm about to say is going to be shocking to you. I know that I'm going to get some people calling me from the radio saying, I can't believe you just said that. And I'm just going to send them back an email. It says Raka, okay? (laughs) Here it goes. 
Okay, this is the hard stuff. Divorce in and of itself is not sin. Divorce in and of itself is not sin. Otherwise, we would have to accuse God of sinning because it was God who divorced his people Israel because they went a whoring after other gods. Divorce in and of itself is not sin. God doesn't really care about divorce in and of itself. God cares more of how you got a divorce. If you got a divorce because someone was sexually immoral, someone went outside of the bonds of marriage, so you guys were married and he went off and found a girlfriend and got and, and started having a relationship and then he sent you a writing of divorce and he divorced you, went and married her. Listen, let me tell you something. Can you know this today? You are free. He has broken the very bond by which your marriage is built on. No, Jesus is not saying if you if you, there's some adultery there, then you should go and get a divorce. He would say, I'd rather you forgive. I'd rather you reconcile. But if you cannot, that is the only and can I please underscore only reason that God allows for divorce Two people after each service said, well, well, pastor, what about abuse? What would you tell someone? I've got a sister in the Lord who's in an abusive situation. What would you say? And I would say to them, listen, if a man is being abusive to you or a woman is being abusive to you, man, because there's some pretty tough and buff women out there nowadays, okay? You know, it happens. It does happen. If there's an abusive situation, then I would say to you, get out of that house immediately. God did not call you to be a punching bag for anybody. You're a child of God and God's created you in his image and he has not called you to be a punching bag. If, if he's abusing you, get out of this situation, but you don't need to divorce. What you need to do is pray and seek reconciliation. Jesus is saying for any other reason other than sexual immorality, divorce is sin. I don't care if you've been divorced as many times as Liz Taylor. If you've been divorced that many times, let me tell you something. Jesus says, look, now that you're a Christian, now that you know better, now that you've heard this message, now you need to move on. You're a new creature in Christ. Don't make the same mistakes again. Go and sin no more and move on to a healthy, holy, happy relationship in Jesus Christ. Is that all right, you guys? This is what the Bible says. And I bring this up and talk to you about it because I think you need to be free. How many people get into relationships, the other goes and commits adultery, and, and, and they leave and they divorce and they're standing like, what do I do now? And the church honestly has been guilty of treating divorced people like they're lepers. Preachers and pastors and denominations of treating divorced people like they're lepers, like they're some subclass of people, like they're marked people. No, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Jesus says, if you got a divorce for any other reason other than sexual immorality, that is sin and you need to repent of that. If you got a divorce for sexual immorality, then move on into a holy relationship in Jesus Christ. And this is what we sing about when we sing amazing grace. It is God's amazing grace. God's not condemning anyone. The point of the Sermon on the Mount is not to condemn anyone. Actually, contrary, the point is to look at each of us, every single one of us, and say, you are a murderer, you are angry for no reason, and we're all adulterers. 
because we've turned away from God. The heart behind the Sermon on the Mount is more important than the outward externals. And then Jesus says, you think that was shocking when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. Then he goes on to say in, in the last verse of this chapter, he says, and now I want you to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. And they go, what? Who can be perfect? After telling us all that, Jesus, now you tell us to be perfect? Yeah, because he says, what you need to do, put your faith, your trust, your hope, hide yourself in me. Because I am perfect, now you are perfect. Outside of me, you cannot be perfect. Outside of me, your righteousness cannot exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Outside of me, you're lost. You need my grace. Call on me, he says, for my grace, and I'll give it to you over and over and over. More grace and more grace and more grace. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.